Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm also a story by hit director David Goyer. You know, boring until a real fil- filmmaker comes along. <laughs> I feel like that could that could lead people down two different interpretations of how I feel about this movie. Uh, Britain, <laughs> you're here too. <laughs> yes, I am here too. Um, and don't worry, guys. This time, I think I'm going to be the mean one. Um, <laughs> we, we will see what happens. It had to change sometime. <laughs> yes, mu- much like this movie, someone who is historically nice and tries to be fair to things is now petty and angry. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the one shouting, I will find him! Alex, I don't know if you actually finished your, your introduction there. I don't know if you've actually... Oh, I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Look, this movie doesn't even want to end like actual scenes with any sort yeah. of catharsis or meaning. It just wants to skip to the next scene. Stream so, of consciousness, dude. It's just... It, it's it's flash... It's, it's, it's snapshots of a life. Yeah, it's actually a literary technique uh, that mm-hmm. you're not... I think you're not understanding. Uh, it's very much like boyhood. Very well, much you like know... Boyhood. Superman killing Zod, but, it really is help. It helps to establish that no kill rule, which is why we never talk about it after he snaps his neck. Mm-hmm. What are we? What are, what are <laughs> what are the things? Because Alex, we are talking about uh, Boyhood of Steel this week. What are, what are the... uh, now a Richard Linklater Superman movie. Now that's real art. That could, that could be interesting. Just a bunch of Superman hanging out. it's not so far Um, off from what we got i guess i didn't hate this movie Eh, whatever (laughs) uh man of steel directed by david david goyer it's not directed by david goyer it's written by david goyer directed by Zack snyder um from 2013 it has a 56 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes and a 75 percent audience score um, I, I, I can go first since I, apparently I like this the most, which Probably. I find confounding. But, so so know, do I, I'll considering give, I was sitting next to you when you watched it. I'll get, give it a whirl. Oh, well, it's, I think it's mostly because both of you were kind of shocked when you watched it this, this go around in terms of like, oh, it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> like it's, it, it has fallen so far. Yeah. Whereas I've been kind of sitting on this movie with the same feeling basically mm. since Batman versus Superman came out. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of comments, of course, but nothing was really surprising to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, my best thing I'm gonna I'm gonna go go the easy way. Uh, the score, Hans Zimmer score. Uh, it's one of the best superhero scores ever, and yeah. I feel like. Even if you had said Hans Zimmer's doing it beforehand, I would have said trying to do something that's not the John Williams theme is nigh impossible. It's not going to work. Um, but I think it works very well. Um, it's quite beautiful, particularly you know the flight sequence when Superman's first learning how to fly, and then the uh, track that plays at the very end and through the credits, uh, what are you uh, going to do when you're mm-hmm. not saving the world? Um, those are beautiful. It's, it's a gorgeous score. Um, it's easily one of his best superhero scores, um, cause he's got plenty. <laughs> um, and I think the, the best thing I can say about it is it does a better job of conveying the goals on a thematic level of what this movie is going for better than the story or the directing ever could. 
Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's my best thing. Uh, my worst thing is going to be not necessarily how Superman is, is treated. It's more just that we never get in his head enough. Um, a lot of times, and this is you know perpetuated because of what happens about inverse Superman. He feels monosyllabic. It feels like so many times I'm like, "Tell me what you're feeling. How do you feel about this situation?" And we just never get anywhere near that. Um, and I feel like in order to help me understand this version of Superman, particularly if it's supposed to be some kind of deconstruction or maybe that's just an excuse that Snyder came up with when people didn't like his version, I don't know. Um, but to kind of try and take this different approach of a more cynical Superman, you got to get me in the guy's head. Yeah. And the movie just doesn't. Um Henry Cavill could be good. Um, I think in, in very small doses in the movie, he's quite good. Um, but he, he just doesn't get any dialogue. I, I feel like most of his dialogue is just like, wait, why am I here? What am I doing? Why didn't you tell me that? Like, that that feels like half of his yeah. dialogue in the movie. So I, I feel like the movie could have won me over a lot if despite all of the other trappings and kind of the overwrought violence and, and all that stuff that, that we'll definitely get into, if they had won me over on at least fleshing out Superman and making him feel like a real, fully, you know, three-dimensional human being, um, even if he's not necessarily straight-off-the-page comic book Superman, I feel like that could have won me over. Um, and I think, you know, I remember seeing this for the first time in the theater I think I went to, like, the midnight premiere uh, back in 2013, and I remember having that feeling of, like, oh, this is, like, the first time I've actually cared about Superman. <laughs> um, and then time has obviously gone by, and I've explored a little more Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and I have, have grown to really, really appreciate particularly that first Christopher Reeve Superman movie. So, um, yeah, it's it's the overall lack of presence and <laughs> dialogue from Superman. Very specific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh tyler would you like to go or shall i uh i can go if go for it me too um i uh so i'll say my best thing about this movie which is already gonna identify some problems is that is or is the cast which is very mm -hmm. carefully selected um not the performances <laughs> necessarily i like the <laughs> cast that has been assembled here yes um, i agree i like looking at these people <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I like. I think Henry Cavill is great. Um, <clears throat> Amy Adams, obviously, Lawrence mm -hmm. Fishburne, Michael Shannon. Um, yeah. I think Ma and Pa Kent both were yeah. wonderfully cast. Uh, I almost said Russell Crowe. That's not Russell Crowe. Yeah, it is. Um, Russell Crowe. Oh, movie. sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, he is. I'm sorry. I'm talking about a uh, Pa Kent. Um, oh yeah, Costner. Kevin Costner. Duh. Um, Russell Crowe is in it though. Yes, good point. Good <laughs> good addition to what I was saying. Um, and uh, Diane Lane as well. Like, I think everyone is selected and, and like, this is setting the movie up for success <laughs> with with the cast that has been assembled for this film. Um, I think everyone's really well chosen for the roles that they are playing. Um, the And they're great actors and actresses. Uh, the worst thing I have about this movie is that I, I think it's, it's kind of just... Uh, like an introduction and a finale and that's it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that there's yeah. really any other movie 
there, there there's no middle um and i mean i there i have a lot of frustrations with superman as a character is and, and how he's approaching this film but the biggest thing that like really hit me watching this again is that like i don't think this works as a film i don't i don't think yeah. the there is any cohesion or momentum in the story that allows you to at any point be invested in what's happening if you sit there and watch it you know this far removed from it and kind of with the better understanding of where this character was going and, and what Snyder's done with um some of the additional films like i think really sitting down and letting that stew and then watching this movie is like wow it's it's, it's just not very good as a, a watching experience uh, <laughs> Yeah, and we can we can talk about that and and kind of what I mean by that more. Um, the big thing is that the first twenty minutes of the film are spent on Krypton, doing a lot of things that we don't necessarily need to do, and and exploring a lot of or visually explaining a lot of things that get summed up very neatly later in the movie, and we didn't really need to see all of that. Um, and then uh, the last third of the movie is pretty much all Zod and Superman versus Zod and all that stuff happening, that which is all big, explosive comic book action, um, lots of destruction and stuff, and we'll talk about it. But, yeah, that, that middle chunk, we're, we're just going to have to break it down because I, it just does... It never um, aligns into some sort of story with a thrust. It's, it's just a mess of flashbacks... Uh, jumping timelines, like trying sort of to draw some meaning out of being like, oh, well, here's a thing from Clark Kent's childhood and we're comparing it to a thing that he's doing now. But like, we never feel like we're out of the flashback phase, no matter what uh, phase of his life we're showing. And it, it just, it's, yeah, it, it, I was having such a hard time being able to just be like, okay, what is the movie trying to get across here? What What is the purpose of all these jumps and, and edits and, going around and, and like hitting so many different points in time. I, it, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to get too far into it. Um, so my, my best thing is something that, so, so towards the end of the movie when Superman and Zod are about to fight and there's, there's some, you know, taunting and setup and stuff. I can't remember the specific moment, but as their fight was really about to start and it was all kind of happened, you know, really gearing up, I muted the TV and I turned on zombie by the cranberries and it synced up pretty well. Okay. And that was my best thing. <laughs> and it, <laughs> now I want to, I want to emphasize it. Did it illuminate anything thematically about the movie? No. Did it add any depth or profundity to what was happening? No. Um, but it was kind of cool. And that leads me to my worst thing, which is I think that this movie is very... I, I really don't know if there's one word to sum it up. But this movie has... It's like it got its hands on a bunch of tools at a construction site. And it was like, I have a hammer. Look, I have a hammer. And you're like, yeah, are you, are you going to use that hammer to, to pry some nails out or to hammer some stuff in? Like, what are you going to use hammer for? <laughs> I, I have a hammer. <laughs> because this movie, does, it, it's very heavy-handed with, like, Christ imagery. Mm -hmm. um, and it is very clearly 
well, I would say very clearly, apparently it wants to be a different take on Superman, as we will uh, discuss. But at the same time, it, it's never leaning into any of the many conflicting things that it does. It's like, here's a bunch of Christ imagery. We're not really going to do anything with it, but we have it, so, right? And <laughs> we, you know, we have Pa Kent giving him this really weird and kind of selfish advice. But then Superman, we're going to throw in a bunch of stuff about like, no, he's hope. He's giving you hope. But also he's really petty and, and violent. And then he kills somebody, but then he also is saving people. And there's just wanton destruction. And, and it seems to be having a bunch of cards that it just sort of keeps telling you that it has, but it won't really explore it. And Superman is a character that's been around for almost a century. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind a new take on the character. We have a ton of great Superman content across various media. I don't need this to be familiar by the book Superman. That's that it is fine if they want to depart. But and I don't even I don't need it to be a dark story. I don't need there to be Christ imagery. But whatever you're going to do, do it. Like really think about it. Because these are big things. Like if you're saying that Superman is if you are likening him to a religious deity, you you can't just kind of throw that out there and then wander away. Like it has to, it, it needs to be commentary or it needs to be thematic. You need to, to utilize that somehow. I don't need my movies to have messages all the time. I don't need my movies to be profound all the time. That doubly goes for superhero movies. But this movie just seems so, not not like it was trying to have it both ways, but just that it it just really did. I don't think it understood what it was doing and 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 that it needed to do something <laughs> with what it was setting up and and if you had excised some of that imagery or just leaned into some of this stuff more I could be like okay this isn't something I like but you have conviction you're doing the thing you wanted to do it doesn't have to be for me and that's fine and I can complain about it but like you're doing your thing but in this case it just felt so not even perfunctory I don't know it just felt like somebody kept you know thinking it was it was more that they were doing more than they were doing and uh, it just didn't really add up to anything for me and I just found that all quite frustrating which is not necessarily about like i want superman to be this thing it's like superman can be different but what you're going to do i need you to lean into it i need you to have some purpose and some conviction behind it and i don't feel like for my experience i don't feel like the movie uh had that i should also qualify though i watched this movie in kind of a weird circumstance <laughs> we all technically watched it together uh recently but I wasn't really paying attention. I was in conversation with, with somebody else, just kind of catching up. And so I would kind of, you know, tune back into the movie. And so then yesterday I went back to, like, watch the movie again and catch up on the stuff I missed. Um, and I, j- j- there was no one around. I just struggled to really pay attention. So, like, I didn't have the, like, sit down, absorb the movie in, in a full sitting as as, as y'all did. But I, I still feel pretty confident in my <laughs> in my my statements thus far. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, Tyler, I I would like to to start off the general discussion by saying all of your comments uh, while we watched this movie were delightful, <laughs> and I want to do a second rewriting episode where this is the one you rewrite potentially. 
I might think about that. Um, yeah, I think you. I think you have the most ammo for this particular film. Yeah. Uh, where to begin? Um, <laughs> I mean, I so I'll, I'll start with. I want to go back to the structure of it. Mm. Um, we. I will. I will talk about Superman, and we'll all talk about Superman. I'm sure. I'm sure, and, and why this fundamentally doesn't really work either as Superman off the page or as Superman as a take. Um, but the movie, we get to the end of the Krypton stuff, which goes on. Like, I think even not, even if you're watching it the first time and you don't really know what's coming, I feel like by the time you get to the end of the 20 minutes of, of Krypton stuff, you're kind of like, I know, I, or I, I can tell that this is too much. <laughs> like we don't, we didn't need to spend this much time here. Um, there's a lot of uh, Jor-El going around and, and, and flying on his big pterodactyl and... Uh, Haraka. Do- Haraka. Um, <laughs> and, and getting in a big, a big fist fight with Zod before Zod uh, does a mean stab, kills him. Um, oh, you're, you're neglecting uh, uh, Russell Crowe just like swimming through like a bunch of Matrix pods yeah. to get to mm. a magical skull. Yeah. Um, on a first viewing... I feel like that's just incomprehensible. <laughs> Correct. Um, and all of this, again, is summed up when uh, Superman does make it to the Krypton ship, and he talks to Ghost Jor-El, who's a hologram, and, like, there's this really fancy, cool, like, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's, like, metal art um, mm-hmm. that's that the ship is creating, and that's used to represent what happened on Krypton, and it summarizes the whole thing, and it's like, this is all this is all you need. <laughs> Yeah. Like this, we got it. Boom, we're good. We anyway. Um, it, it's a very creative way to show kind of the different perspective and how this is not like Marlon Brando Krypton. Yeah. Without wasting your whole <laughs> like opening of your movie, like I, I don't know. It's just the movie is so strange to me because oftentimes it feels like it's just changing things for the sake of changing things, yeah. um, without really focusing on. Okay, what worked? What can we carry over from the original Superman? Not not just the movie, but kind of the comics comics that people seem to gravitate to. Like, what stuff can we like between all that and then you know we'll get into the Pa Kent like mm-hmm. death scene and like kind of his advice to Clark. Like, none of it. I I can't tell how much of it is is the team involved actively going. We need to to reinvent this from the ground up and ha- like so much of it feels like it's just informed by the other stuff. And it's like, Oh, well we have to be different. Yeah. Which is exactly how I feel. Like when we get into Batman versus Superman, right. <laughs> but, um, we get through that. And at least that is a story that, that Krypton stuff. It's like, we're following right. Jor-El. All right, fine. We or we're following Jor-El and then we're following Laura, his mother, mm-hmm. his Krypton mother. Um, as she watches the world explode, um, who is that actress? Because she's also good. I cannot remember her name off the top I of my head. Tell you, um, I'll s- look her up. She uh, she plays Vanessa in Daredevil. Yes, that's where I knew her. Okay, um, but I want to keep talking because I feel like you're I feel like you're right there. I believe in you, bud. <laughs> you can do it. Rotten Tomatoes failed me. <laughs> It shows the producer Charles Roven, but it doesn't tell me who played Lara. Like, what are we doing here? Well, that's for all Amateurs. the Roven heads out there. All right, let's. Uh... All right, I'm just gonna Google search it. Tyler, continue. Um, I'll get there eventually. So yeah, the we get out of the Krypton stuff. Krypton's blown up. 
We we watched the ship crash to Earth. Great. Got it. Cool. Um, all 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 well and good so far. Then we jump, <clears throat> and Superman is is on a, a crab boat, and he sees an oil rig. He's like, I'm gonna go save that oil rig. So he jumps off and he goes to the oil rig. Um, he he saves some guys on the oil rig. Sure. Uh, there's some there's some gratuitous uh, Henry Cavill abs, which is fine. Um, you know, all the, I, I think we were talking about this while we were watching it. All things considered, um, and we kind of brought this up in the last episode with Watchmen. Snyder's pretty good at like equal <laughs> equal yeah. opportunity uh, gender representation exploitation. I guess if you want to call it, like I feel like he's not he he. I feel like a lot of these kind of movies end up focusing a lot on uh, the female body and like yeah. being making people making girls wear skimpy stuff. And for the most part, I think Snyder does a good job of being like, ah, oh, nah, men are hot too. Let's let's get them all in there. Yeah, um, I don't really <laughs> think any women are like sexualized in this movie. Yeah, not really. None of this. I think it's really only Cavill. Mm-hmm. Which you know, fair. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, he saves the oil rig, and I, I'm immediately going to lose track of like what the exact sequence here is. But we, All right, j- I might be able to help you. Okay, we, <laughs> I, I believe then we jump back to uh, Clark Kent at, in Smallville, and this is the scene in the classroom where he discovers yes. his X-ray vision. And so he discovers his X-ray vision. He goes and hides in a closet, and then his mother has to come get him. Martha uh, has to come get him, and then. Uh, you know, that's, like, supposed to be, I guess, his first traumatic experience with getting powers. Um, it's, a, it's a nice scene in a vacuum. Yeah. And to that point, actually, I do want to say a quick note here. He actually, he sees through his teacher's shirt with his x-ray powers, but he's actually, he sees through to her organs. Like, he sees yeah. her lungs and heart, and it's gross, and that's the yeah. point. Um, which is, like, it doesn't, yeah. it's not like, oh, he's looking through at her at her bra or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. And I feel like that, there are definitely yeah, like lesser that. movies that would do that, but instead it's like, no, he's he's freaked out because he's seeing the actual insides of people. Yeah, um, right. And so I did appreciate that. Um, but they then jump back to Superman stealing some clothes from a clothesline, right. if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah. Um, then do we go to Clark Kent well, it, saving it's weird as a kid? Saving, like he, yeah, because because he he find he finds the clothes, he puts them on, he like goes wandering into town, and then he sees a school bus, the school <laughs> bus, and that causes him to to cut to the the bus sequence flashback. Which, if you're gonna do the flashbacks, at least be consistent with the the transition, because at least that is like, oh, he sees a school sure, bus right. that reminds him of this thing that happened. But like him just laying there in the water after this oil rig explodes suddenly <laughs> makes him think of like pencils on a chalkboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we do jump back to Clark Kent saving a bus full of children um, that careened off a bridge. If anything, the bus sequence should happen right after the oil rig sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Because water. And like... Also, oh hey, Superman saved some people. Yeah. Let's jump back to the first time Superman saved some people. Yeah, uh, there's something there. Um, there's something there. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't be doing this flashback nonsense anyway. But and from there, do we go into the conversation that he has with Paul Kent, or Paul Kent's like, yeah, maybe you should have let him all should have let him all die. Exactly. <laughs> have you considered that, so... son? 
So frustrating. And that's... Uh, <laughs> so this is the ultimate... I'll put a pin in that, actually. I'm gonna, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> Superman. We'll talk about Pot Kent. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and inject this real quick. The actress that plays Lara is named Ayelet Zerwer. All right. An Israeli actress. And apparently she's in Angels and Demons. There you go. Britain. You've watched those movies, right? I've only seen the third one. Never mind. Continue, Tyler. <laughs> it's, it's one of those movies. Yeah, um, it's one of those movies. Ewan McGregor's in that one. Tyler, continue. <laughs> um, and then from there, we jump back to the bar where Superman uh, antagonizes... Not antagonizes, I shouldn't say that. There's a guy antagonizing a waitress, and then Superman defends her, and then the, gets draws the wrath of this, this uh, drunk guy um, who yeah. like dumps a drink on him, and then later... The drunk guy walks out to discover that Superman has smashed his semi truck into some telephone poles. Yeah, um, I, have, I have very quietly problems. apparently. I have two issues with this scene, but yes, just two. Well, <laughs> uh, but I'm just trying to because then yeah. what is the next scene? Is that when we jump to Lois in the Arctic? Oh, yes. yeah, it is. Because the transition is very very quick, and the only reason you would understand is that is it, why that transition happens is. Clark sees a couple of like Canadian National Guardsmen talking about it. It's like, oh, there's this weird site, and they seem to have found something alien. Yeah, and it's like very offhand; like you can miss it easily. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna try to speed through this before we get hung up on too many tangents because I feel like there are so many tangents, and we'll talk about <laughs> it. But my point is, then we jump to the Arctic. We, but then the scene follows Lois for the most part. Um, yeah. as she's trying to figure out what's going on with this weird object in the Arctic. Um, and then Superman is like hiding around like he, but like the, the camera is very specifically not focusing on the fact that he's there. Like he, there's enough that you can recognize that he's there, but he's like off to the side, which is kind of odd. Um, and then she, she is taking some photos of him or some photos of the mountains at night and happens to see that like he's in them. But it's very blurry and tiny, and I don't know how she's supposed to have caught that because she has to zoom in super far on a camera, whatever. Um, it's Nikon product placement. Tyler. Sure, they've got uh, an awesome camera. She she it can help reveal the next plot point. Correct. Uh, <laughs> she climbs the mountains somehow and gets and in to to the big ship, the the crashed Krypton scout ship. Um, that conveniently has landed on Earth some thousands of years ago. Why not? Um, and then we jump to, I believe we jump to Clark learning all about his Krypton heritage because he's then he meets Jor-El. no okay not not just yet we we spin like it feels like it's a fifteen minute sequence of him just wandering around the Kryptonian ship and he comes across that that alien android yeah, or the little mini boss. Yeah, the thing that fights right. him real quick. So, but um, we do, we do go then, from well, Lois. Lois then shows up. He has to cauterize her wound from the droid thing, and then they fly away. And then he talks to Jor. Okay, but we do go. From, A lot of stuff happens. We do go from Lois getting there to him exploring the ship. Like suddenly we switch yes. to his perspective exploring the ship. Um, yes. And then he saves Lois. He comes back. He uh, finds out about Jor El. Um, and like gets, gets all that exposition, um, before we know like anything about him as a person when like as Clark without knowing that he's an alien. Um, 
I'm assuming there's a flashback that comes next. I I can't. I think this is probably where it's going to lose me. Um, we don't get another flashback for a while. I don't think. Because no, is this where Lois we goes? We don't. Lois goes. We don't get to Martha. Yeah, we don't get another flashback until Lois starts looking into his past and then sees him at his father's grave, and then they do the tornado sequence, which may be <laughs> the worst sequence in the entire film. That's just me. And then, because we do that, and then Lois leaves. And then we jump to Clark returning home because Lois went and found him in the graveyard, but Martha didn't know Clark was back. She just happened right. to be like, hey, there's a graveyard with my dead husband. You can go check that <laughs> yes. out. Um, and then Lois leaves, and then Clark returns home triumphantly, even though we have never figured out why he's left. And we will never figure out why he left or like what what took place between him and his mother when he left. We don't know what that conversation was like or what his plan was when he walked out. I don't know. Um, and then is there another flashback in between that and Zod showing up? At some point, there's a flashback with those bullies, those jocks. Right. Yeah, where they're trying like at to... the car at the like repair shop. And then his dad is magically there to be like, yes, got to let him die, Clark. That don't matter. Got to <laughs> let him die. They're ants. <laughs> ants beneath you. Um, he does, Pete Ross does help him up, help him up, which is nice because Pete Ross is, yes, I like that, but Pete Ross has a more concise character arc in this movie than Superman. Correct. Um, (laughs) man works at an IHOP, uh, you know, doesn't get better than that. Um, (laughs) yeah. And then I think from there, we pretty much pick up linearly. There might be a couple yeah. of a couple of bits in there, but the, the well, the last flashback. I think that's it, except for the the last flashback at the end of the movie where yes. uh, young Clark is in the uh, the cape, mm-hmm. running around playing with the dog, yes. and it's like, oh no, 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 Kevin Costner did see you as a hero. You were meant for great things, yeah. even though he told right. you to let those people die. Right uh, now. If that if describing that section was maddening to you as a listener. Um, and you haven't seen the movie in a while, guess what? That's that's what the movie feels like. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's We've got this series of flashbacks of him as a kid that happen so sporadically. Um, yeah. We've got him as an adult on this wandering journey, and we get, like, two scenes of this journey before, A, he finds out that he's an alien, and B, he returns home. So we have no idea why he left. We don't know what journey he was on. We don't know what Clark is like. We, we never see anything about how he was as like a teenager in Smallville. We don't, we jump from, I mean, he's supposed to be younger, um, in like the, for the oil rig scene than he is kind of when we, we really hit this odd stuff, uh, but not that much younger. <laughs> and so there's a solid 20 years of his life that we have no thoughts on, like no, just, yeah. just nothing. We don't get anything. Um, 20 might be exaggerating, but it's uh, at least 15. Like, Well, I mean, because I'm trying to remember when that tornado sequence is supposed to be happening. Because mm-hmm. they give Henry Cavill a very different haircut. That's and they... so funny, too. He's like, oh, no, Dad. Right. I forgot that's Henry do they, Cavill. Do they modulate that. his voice, or did they just tell Henry, a uh, bit, bit lighter tone? You're, you're younger. You're younger. <laughs> it's like a better call Saul to just comb his hair forward. Yeah. yeah. But, but, okay, so from that scene, he says he's 33. In present right. day, Jesus. which <sighs> I, I, I did point it out. I did find it amusing. So BVS, the movie where he actually sacrifices himself in the old, ultimate like Jesus 
yeah. whatever. Um, that happens a year and a half after this. Uh-huh. So I'm like, Britain, to your point, it's like there's no thematic like through line to any of this. You're just throwing out the imagery just to say you're smart. Yeah. Um, but yes, you are right. That is Henry Cavill in the tornado sequence. I was thinking that was a younger actor. Um, you, that would make sense, wouldn't it? It would. It really would. <laughs> uh, so I guess maybe there's some leeway there, but still, you got to figure ten years, something yeah. like that. I, I think at least ten, it, if not fifteen years, is, is yes. a fine estimate. And it would be one thing if there was some conversation with his mother after his father dies, where he's like. I have to go find myself this, you know, right. I, like I get that. Maybe I guess I don't get that. The idea is that we're supposed to infer that that's what he did because there's nothing in the movie that like textually gives us that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, the only thing is during the, the opening scene with Pa Kent where he's like, you shouldn't save anyone, whatever uh, we can get into that. I, I do have some kind of pseudo defenses for that. Um, sure. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand that much on this movie <laughs> side. Um, he, he does say at the end of that, he's like, well, you know, it, it, even if it takes the rest of your life, you yeah. owe it to yourself to find the truth about your origins. Sure. So that's, that's it. Yeah. That's, sure. that's all you get. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm, yeah. So what I'm really like looking for here is some idea of what life was like when he still had his parents and he was living in Smallville. Yeah. Um, because we jump from him being an elementary schooler to him being a teenager, young adult of questionable age in one yeah. scene. And then we jump way later and he's been wandering the world as this like raggedy Superman. Um, wandering the desert. Mm. Oh. oh, now it all makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> what you think about that? Oh God. Um, I consider just closing the laptop right then and there. <laughs> and so uh, what I wanted to illustrate there is that there is no story. It's yeah. it's just <laughs> it's individual scenes. There's no order in the way they pre- they are presented because some of them are in like the middle of two timelines, some of them are when he's a kid, and then some of them I guess none of them are really like present day yet. Like, we've got this thing that's slowly building towards the point where Zod shows up. And we just, it's such a weird, like, black hole, because like you said, Alex, at the beginning, we never get an idea of what Superman is thinking. <laughs> like, he's always just wandering around and kind of reacting to people. Um, right. And or destroying their livelihoods. Uh, and he he is the most reactive character and anytime he is proactive, I don't know why he is proactive. Like, why he decides to leave Smallville. Right. Um, yeah, because there, there's just no... We never build out his character and, and what this particular Superman, if it is supposed to be a different take on Superman, we never get an idea of what he wants. Um, or, or And maybe you could argue that's because uh, he gets terrible advice from his parents all the time. And they're always just like, <laughs> man, I don't know. Maybe they, Maybe you just... Maybe just let people die. Maybe don't. Maybe you're important. Maybe you're not. I don't know. Like, and (laughs) we can kind of spin off of that into some of the other, some of the stuff that adds to the fact that the movie already has a very poor structure in the middle. Um, Because the Kints in this, 
they they never say anything. They yeah. never <laughs> they never give any sort of concrete piece of like, hey, here's some some old town family uh, farm knowledge. We're gonna impart you on <laughs> some you some good old wisdom, some good old boy values. Like we never, and you don't again. If it's a take, you don't have to do that. <laughs> but then why don't you sit? Why don't you show what? his parents are trying to drive him towards that they're not trying to drive him towards being a classic comic book Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's like the take is what if Superman's parents were very confused and did not have any strong values in life and kind of just meandered about giving him any sort of advice. And then Superman ended up being very confused because of this until he decided to work with the United States military and then he was fine. Everything made sense. then. Yeah. That's the confusing thing because I don't think the material even knows is, is Clark supposed to grow up and, and be optimistic or, or like become a hero because of his parents or in spite of them. Right. Yeah. I don't, the movie doesn't know. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, because you get that scene where where Potkin's like, well, I I don't know if you should save anyone. There's there's you know bigger things at stake here, Clark. And I I, I do like kind of the beginning of that conversation where I, I do I like how he he doesn't definitively say you should have let those people die. He right. he's like I I don't know. Maybe you should have because I'm afraid for your safety and I'm afraid that somebody, whether it's the government or the military or whoever, they will come for you if you find out you have powers. That's a good start. I think that's a I think that's a fine start. To your point, Tyler, the problem is we never get a follow through. Yeah, it's it's always just you are special. You will become something at some point. <laughs> that is every scene with Pa Kent in this movie is you will become a good thing. And I'm just gonna keep saying these broad generalizations of you are meant to do great things. Yeah. I don't know what they are. I'm not gonna help you with this, but. I don't well, know. He's, he's, he's like one of those psychics you go to see at a carnival. It's like <laughs> he, he, he says these broad things and lets you infer, and you fill in the blanks. I sense that there is someone the important with you here tonight. <gasps> is it my grandmother? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and real um, quick about the structure before I forget it. Th- this movie, there, I, there are very good movies with v- similar structures made by Terrence Malick, <laughs> you know, sure. where it's just like, here's just moments, just stuff, but they're composed in a way that is supposed to be thematic mm-hmm. and or right. resonant in some way. And this movie just seems messy. Yeah. Well, I, I think the easiest kind of comparison is Batman Begins. That's, you know, oh, of course, yeah. David, David Goyer and Christopher Nolan came up with the initial story for this and they, they wrote Batman Begins. But like that... Every time it cuts back to young Bruce Wayne, there's a thematic point, mm-hmm. and we drop the flashbacks halfway through the movie. Yeah. Right. So it's like once Bruce has d- decided what the mission is going to be, and he goes and becomes Batman, we stop with the origin part. Yeah. You know why? Because we don't need <laughs> it anymore. Um, I I just found it so confusing because you know going back to the parents being like I, I don't know what what message clark is supposed to learn from them you get to the end of the movie and you know the scene where he's he's running around as a kid with with the red cape which it's also convenient that his alien suit also has a red cape yeah. <laughs> um it's almost like this movie uh was initially written to have martha uh sew the suit for him yeah um, we'll talk about but it. then they decided nope it needs to be more alien <laughs> um but but that that moment where she's like no no he did see you um he did see the hero you would become, and it shows 
Pa Kent when he's fixing up his truck or whatever and he sees Clark playing around with the dog and whatever. And that's a nice scene, but that feels much more like classic traditional they raised him with the right values mm-hmm. and that's why Clark is a good man, mm-hmm. which is completely the opposite of the rest of the movie. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Like the movie just it, it doesn't seem to want to commit to whatever it's doing at at the moment it just kind of keeps switching right. it up because like well, what's going to be cool what's going to be th- let's just do that yeah yeah it just seems so uninterested um it's frustrating right and i think that's that's kind of the problem when when snyder has such a he clearly has much more of a, a uh control over the story in this than he did with Watchmen. Mm-hmm. um because this is an open-ended, like, I'm kind of going my own way, and the same with Batman vs. Superman, it's very, it's a lot more up to his interpretation about how the material gets handled, um, which is why we run into these problems, because th- there's there's just this weird balance of, you know, I'm changing things. I'm starting from the ground up. This is my own version. But every once in a while, it's like, oh, you know, it's like it's like old Superman. Yeah. You know? Oh, you remember, you remember the cape? <laughs> yeah. It's like old Superman. And, and like like I said, uh, the the thing was, I gave this movie a lot of credit for a long time. And I gave it a lot of passes for a long time. And then BVS came out and I said, oh, wait. So, so many of the things that I was giving passes to, they just like cemented. They went further with it. Yeah. Like you get to BVS and, and it's like, oh, there's like a dead Robin costume with, with ha 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 written on it. And it's like, well, I don't know what actually happened. But it's like, oh, comic book geeks are going to understand, <laughs> oh, you know, death of the family, whatever. Except apparently that's Dick Grayson, right? Isn't that, isn't that yeah, and thing? then he just cha- – I'm like, I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Yeah. Um, I want to what, – what, what am I supposed to be using as the basis for this material? And it's just like whatever without, without actually wanting to build up the groundwork within the piece itself. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. It's – remember my complaint with the, the uh, Marvel Spider-Man movies where it's like – I need to actually get confirmation that Uncle Ben died the way that we think he did. Mm-hmm. I need to get a mention of that. That's like that times infinity with these movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every little thing has that problem. Funny that you mentioned uh, Spider-Man because I want to. <laughs> I want to talk about a thing here. Um, so, and this is this also goes, Alex, to your point of they're kind of. It's hard to tell how much of this was, oh, we, we had an, a goal in mind to eventually get to um, Superman as, like, comic book Superman. And it's hard to tell if that is them saving face or if that is actually what the plan was. Either way, I right. don't like it. Um, <laughs> because Superman, if we're talking about, if they if the goal is to get this Superman to comic book Superman, I feel like it's already impossible. Because comic book Superman, so much of what he is, is already there when he leaves Smallville. Like, that's the whole point, is that he was raised... It It, it, it is the the premise of Superman, is he's this guy with amazing power, but he was raised by really caring, loving parents, um, who have some good old-fashioned family values... Uh, on, a, on a farm in Kansas, and, and grew up with some good some good high school friends, and just kind of, you know lived a normal uh, high school life, played some football, that sort of thing, and then suddenly was like, oh, hey, you know, I can start to use my powers to do something more than this. Um, which is... Real quick here. Does the Clark showing up in... 
Oh, I'm trying to remember now. He never shows up in Metropolis before Zod uh, shows up, right? Nope. All right, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> but point. I is, mean, the finale just conveniently takes place in Metropolis right. because why not? Um, Once again, you know Metropolis. You know the thing. Yeah. Um, but the point is, he he leaves Smallville. He he has left the incubator. Um, there are some stories that change this, uh, and we'll have him like kind of develop more as he kind of explores kind of like how this movie tries to start. I think I'll, I'll put a pin in this, but I think there's a couple of Superman stories that Zack Snyder has probably read <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, and I'll talk about those and, and where I think the influences come in. Um, but I say Snyder, it could have also been, I guess, Goyer or I was going to say, I think Goyer read the comics and then gave very, very loose plot summaries <laughs> to Snyder. Also possible. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, I wouldn't, because I feel like we, we've been really, like, driving into this movie and, like, tearing into it, and we have, we have long uh, been quite uh, critical of Snyder's filmography. I do want to say that I really, I think this whole Snyder Cut thing has actually made me appreciate him as a person a good bit. Like, it, yes. see, seeing yeah. the way that, like, actors and, and creators really, like, Christopher Nolan apparently is a huge fan of his, and, like... He supported him through all the the um, personal tragedy he had, as well as the um, kind of butchering of his vision in the 2017 Justice League. Um, apparently, a lot of people like him. It seems like he's a great guy. I think he says a lot of dumb things. That's okay. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll live with that. Um, yeah, I, you can the, say. Yeah, dumb dumb things are better than what other celebrities have said. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna put a pin in that. And I all feel of like... these dumb things are specifically about like the material that he's making. Right. It's not it's not like insults of people no. or or being petty or anything like that. No, he's been, and when it comes to those comments, he's been from what I've seen very diplomatic <laughs> about yeah. like the Whedon for version. the most part. Yeah, for the most part, sure. Yeah. But that's again like how rare is that from this kind of person in Hollywood? You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I want to say all that before we continue to rip into this movie. Um, but uh, I've already lost I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Um, so you, I think you have to have Superman kind of establish himself by the time he gets to Metropolis, basically. Um, and it's, I don't mean establish himself by <laughs> learning mistakes like killing his supervillains and stuff. I mean, right. like, he is the guy he wants to be. And he's going to try and help the world. And he's, he's the guy that everyone is going to question, well, what's your ulterior motive? How do you, how could you possibly have all this power and still have our best interest in mind? Um, which I think BVS tries to touch on a little bit. And so I can give credit for I know. that. I, I think Snyder believes that's what he's doing. Sure. I think he genuinely believes that by the end of this movie and Clark actually going and getting the job at the Daily mm-hmm. Planet... I, I, I believe he thinks he's gotten Superman to that point. Maybe so. And, and Superman, based on the statue we get in BVS That's and kind true. of how, like, I think he, he thinks he's gotten to traditional <laughs> Superman at the end of this. I genuinely well, think that. But then I think, I feel like people, I, I, maybe I haven't read any specific comments from him about this, but I definitely have gotten the vibe, at least from Snyder fans, that they think he's trying to do a three movie arc that eventually ends in Superman being Superman or he was. I think he said that, but he didn't say it when this movie came out. I think that is, has been retroactive of like, Oh, people didn't like this. Okay. Let me try and fix it. I I believe that. Um, point is 
His Superman does not do that. His Superman comes out very confused, occasionally helping people because he happened to be on a crab boat <laughs> for reasons. Um, the point of Superman is that he's not compromised. And I think you can never have Superman, or you never should assume Superman could exist with something like the trauma of A, yeah. <laughs> destroying a whole lot of stuff, and B, killing Zod, uh, like point blank, just straight up breaking his neck. Um, you just can't have a Superman who has that in his past. Uh, there is a, a John Byrne Superman story uh, where he goes to Apocalypse with Darkseid, who I'm sure we'll get to talk about more next week. Um <laughs> And uh, Darkseid, like, brainwashes him and uses him as, like, a pawn in, in these revolts that are happening and is able to stamp out, stamp out a revolt on Apocalypse um, using Superman. And Superman doesn't realize that he's brainwashed and all this. And then some of Darkseid's enemies, the new gods, some, some guys show up and they, they're able to stop Superman and they get him unbrainwashed. And they have a conversation where they're like, hey, should we tell Superman what all just happened here? And the other guy's like, no. Superman needs to be it doesn't need to have that on his like conscience because then even though it's not his fault that this happened he's still going to carry that weight and that's going to harm his ability to be the completely optimistic like almost naively optimistic uh refusal to back down to any sort of evil kind of guy like it's going to hurt his ability to fulfill that role if he has this guilt um and again, this is a different take, and you don't necessarily have to do that, but I never get the sense <laughs> that Superman really has any sort of trauma about Zod or about the destruction uh, of Metropolis and Smallville. It, it just, none of it's there, and because of that, I just, I can't buy the character. I can't buy yeah, where the yeah. character ends up. I can't buy that this character would ever be the real Superman, quote-unquote, The if it's supposed to end up being the comic book take on Superman. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Batman killing is one thing. Yeah. <laughs> I know we've we've talked that to death and when we talked about the Batman movies. Um that's a whole other web to entangle, but Superman is just like no. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. He'll I mean I know that like there are like I think Superman 2 doesn't he actually kill Zod or theoretically or uh, kind of but that's a movie it's complicated. That's a movie from the seventies. We've come a lot farther in yeah. terms of like faithful comic book representation. Uh and I just don't I don't think you can have Superman do that, I think. Yeah. Especially like, not in your first movie and and I and I understand they create this scenario where he's like, Oh, if I don't stop Zod, he's going to kill this cowering family. Yeah, I, I get it. But everything building up to that, like, if this had been a movie where they had just been constantly putting him in scenarios like that, and he had come so close to failing so many times, and he was like, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it, is this my only, and he finally gets mm -hmm. to a point where he's like, this may be my only option, what do I do? That moment would resonate a little bit more. I still don't know if I would agree with it, but you just get this moment of like, oh, and Superman killed somebody. Okay, but like, you didn't the the past 80 years of superman have not built to that but this but even the past 2 hours haven't built mm -hmm. to that like right. y it, it, that is a huge deal to have superman kill someone you need to do more than just create a scenario you have to build to that throughout his arc in the entire yeah. movie it it comes off to me like they they were writing the script and then like first draft and you get to the end and it's like well we got to end it somehow yeah 
Oh, a twist. Did we build up to that? Ah, just write it. <laughs> Wait. Snaps his neck. Hey, say that again. A twist? Yeah, a literal <laughs> twist. Yeah, it's just... Well, and that th- this is goes back to something that I, I mentioned earlier, is that this Superman, apart from the violence thing, he just seems so petty in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, when the guy is antagonizing the waitress. First of all, yeah. the guy, like, breaks a, a bottle and, like, throws down his hat at the same time, so it looks like he broke a bottle with his hat, <laughs> which is very funny. And I kind of like that where he tries to push Cavill and he kind of bounces off of him. I like that. But then later, like, I totally buy Superman, like, standing up for this woman and, and telling this this Yahoo to leave her alone. But then I don't buy that Superman would then go, okay, I'm going to destroy your uh, mode of transportation with multiple trees that are, like, <laughs> just uh, stabbing it from all these directions. I, I, I'm going to medievally torture your beloved Knock, truck. Knocking like, out power for several uh, blocks as I take the power lines down. Completely. Like, also, so... also, every everyone would have heard that right. and ran outside and be like, what's going on? Absolutely. Like, it's so extreme, <laughs> and I feel like another Superman story would just have him, like, talk the guy down and, like, set an example. Or, like, the guy would shove him and realize, okay, I'm going to leave this alone. And Clark would be like, all right, we're not going to do anything else because that's all that's needed. Violence yeah. is not the answer and destroying structure. Yeah. And, and then I feel like there's, there's something else in the movie, too, where it's, I don't know, just kind of throughout the movie, he just, he seems, he doesn't seem um, gloomy or sulky. I mean, he is, but he just seems like, angry and petty yeah. and it's like that's the part where he steals the uh clothes off a clothesline and then destroying the truck that yeah. is very like bruce banner <laughs> sure it's very hulk i don't yeah. i don't know how i did I and know. also when he hitchhiked i was like that's a hulk thing yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah i, I just I, I, feel, <clears throat> I feel like yeah and, and again there's something to the idea of like hey what if what happens to a person who is always trying to be the best person they can be to be a, to to set an example for everybody around them, they would get angry because they would eventually feel like I'm tired of not reacting. I'm tired of even though you can't let physically push me around, I feel like I'm letting people walk all over me because I'm trying to be the bigger person and set a, which is a more important example. Eventually, you would get your like your temper would flare. Yeah, but this and so I think again if they had built something like that where he was like. It doesn't even have to end with him killing somebody, but maybe ends with him punching somebody too hard or, like, having some kind of outburst and then being like, that's not who I am. I shouldn't be doing that. That's a dimensional look at this guy of, like, what, yeah. what told this, like, being this amazing person, is there a cost to that um, just in terms of your emotional health? And do you allow yourself to feel anger? Is anger synonymous with you know, uh, a, a, a lack of, uh, you know, positive mental health or whatever it is, but they just make him angry as opposed to like exploring what does it mean for not only a man with this much power to be angry, but for this specific character to be angry, what does that really mean? Which I think could be really interesting. And yeah, the, his grief over this too, it's because of, it's because Zod is one of the last right. members of his race alive. It's not, grief that he's killed and we at no point do we does he show kind of this this remorse that like oh man i can't believe i have blood on my hands like that was i i never want to do that again it's it's oh i'm i'm ending my race and i i don't right mind that that is a big crux of the story that superman's having this to decide between humanity or 
uh, Krypton, but the the choice is so cartoonish because yeah. Zod is literally destroying the human race. Like it'd be one thing if maybe, and this is probably a little tropey. I feel like this happens a lot in various stories. But if like Zod was like, "Come back with us, Superman, and we can recreate Krypton somewhere else," and then Superman sure. has to make that choice, that's one thing. But instead, it's literally <laughs> Zod's conversation with him in in his dreams when he's being held captive is like or in his hallucinations, I guess, when he's being held captive, is like, hey, if you don't do this, uh, too bad, because you're standing on a pile of hu- dead human skulls. <laughs> like, it's like, wait, what? It also, There's no choice. It also doesn't help when in the opening 20 minutes, we saw Zod stab his father. Yeah. yeah. I know who the bad guy of the story is, folks. <laughs> it would have been great if he had been talking to Zod, and like maybe Zod is like surrounded him, and the... Faura Ul or whatever the, the Aunt Chitrao character they're all like surrounding him he goes Zod what's your favorite thing about Krypton and Zod goes the people and then Superman like laser blasts and decapitates somebody <laughs> like he's Homelander <laughs> so then later in the Justice League Whedon cut it's like he's being super snarky Earth. <laughs> the people <laughs> I'm Zod <laughs> <laughs> and then you could have had the mustache on because he's like I'm impersonating Zod, Zod doesn't have a mustache I don't know where I'm going with that um, <laughs> I just wanted to make a mustache joke but he also has weird um, facial hair I, I, I wanted to jump back real quick because I, I think the, the destroying of the man's truck is like a perfect kind of microcosm of what's wrong with the movie yeah. um, Snyder is obsessed with making things as, as quote unquote real as he can like that's why the action scenes are so over the top because it's like <laughs> What if you had two aliens that are this powerful fighting each other? Right. They would level a city. Like the way it's it, – he's trying to do like this indie film handheld way of shooting the film. He's got the color drained out of it, which does not equal real. But for some reason, filmmakers right now seem to think it does. Yeah. Um, but then he doesn't actually pay attention to consequences of actions the characters take in the story. It's all superficial. He, he He's a music video director. He doesn't actually, like, want to direct... It, it doesn't feel like he wants to direct a film. Yep. Like, you get to the action scenes, and they're, they're like music videos. They don't matter. They don't have any consequences to them. It's just, like, look at the pretty lights for two and a half minutes or whatever. Um, Singing it up to the cranberries, that, that... dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and that's... Zod B. Zod B. And once again, a lot of this just is because of how this carries over into BVS and how I think it's it's just amplified there because that's yeah. like all Snyder's vision. Um, but but with that that truck scene, like you could have you could have gotten away with it if it was just the guy walks outside and there's like little flames on his tires, like Superman destroyed the tires with his heat vision. Okay. That's one thing. It seems realistic. He could probably get away with that without anyone noticing. It, it's not over the top. You haven't just destroyed the man's livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second part of that is, what is that supposed to establish about Superman's character that is then carried through the rest of the movie in terms of his character arc? Right. Nothing. Like you said, Britton, he's just petty and angry the whole movie. And then he crashes a drone at the end and says, You'll never find me. I guess you'll just have to be my hostage, Earth, forever. (laughs) (laughs) I got to the end of this movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I did want Ben Affleck to kill this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's interesting. Talking about the final fight, I think that when this movie came out, 
something I was hearing a lot was that it was like proof that a Dragon Ball Z movie was filmable, like a live action. Mm-hmm. And, I, and watching it, I was like, if this fight scene were a completely different set of characters, if it was yeah. Goku and uh, Vegeta, I guess it'd be Raditz. Or if it were, you know, completely original characters, I think I would really enjoy that fight. I like mm-hmm. how it's choreographed. I like the sense of impact. I and like... Some, there's some good punches in there. I do gotta absolutely. say. It's, it's a well-done fight, but I don't like that it's a Superman fight. Like, that yeah. was yeah. why I couldn't enjoy it is because I was watching Superman. I don't hit Michael Shannon. He's such a nice guy. Sure. Um, <laughs> Not in this movie. And he's, I would say, probably giving the best performance in the movie... Oh, oh! Yeah. I would say easily yeah. he is. Ki- Michael Shannon is the reason I wasn't falling asleep during this movie. <laughs> Amy Adams is close behind by virtue of being Amy Adams and sure. always good. And Lawrence Fish, Lawrence Fish, Fish solid. solid as a rock. Oh, he's terrific. Yeah. But yeah, like Michael Shannon, I think was the most like energetic. Like, oh, he's he is going to make a character no matter what that script says. I know <laughs> he's going to define something, and and I just generally in, enjoy him. Uh, but like. That that fight was was more distressing to me because I was like, I don't want to watch Superman do these things. I, I want to, yeah. It's just it's frustrating. Um, I did like the part where there's a literal building falling, and I for a minute I thought, is Lawrence Fishburne going to outrun that building? <laughs> Please. He just like puts on some sunglasses and then like does the come here thing and then just like freezes <laughs> the building. It's like no way. If they had revealed at the end that this was actually taking place in the Matrix, that <laughs> yeah. would have improved things immensely. Or You're the very <laughs> the post credit scene is Lawrence Fishburne sitting down, going, "All right, Doctor Lecter, what are we gonna do?" And it's Mads Mikkelsen, Hannibal. What crossover? <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne is in that TV show. <laughs> He's, Fair uh, enough. What, what was the 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 Clarice's boss? Is who he plays. Whatever. Sure. Um, I believe great. you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Other things. Uh, um, the the most. I I didn't laugh this time, but sometimes I laugh when I watch this movie every once in a while. The bit towards the end where um, Zod pushes this like truck full of like fuel at Superman, and Superman yeah like just like moves to dodge it, and it's like okay. All right, maybe the truck just stops. Maybe it just stops in the road. Right. But no, it just blows up the entire <laughs> parking lot behind him. Uh. Like everything just starts closing. I'm like, people are up there. Yeah. You can't tell me that people aren't up there. It's, it's a cool little moment until the explosion. <laughs> like there, there is a direct comparison in Superman 2 where like when, when Zod and, and, and the Kryptonians are attacking Metropolis – Superman is, spins like that entire fight just trying to save people. Like there's a bit where they push this this truck, or the, it's like a giant bus, and Superman's just like actively just trying to push the other end to stop it Aww. to slow it down. And I'm like, why is he not doing that? Yeah. And people want to throw out the, the excuse, the argument that it's like, oh, it's it's still Superman learning to to use his powers. He only started flying a couple of days ago. I would be okay with that if they made that a plot point in the movie. The movie never outright says that, and once again, Snyder doesn't actually want to deal with the consequences of his character's actions, so I no. I, 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 do not buy that argument. Nor, There's not anything in the film to help with that. Nor does Superman attempt to do anything. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't try. Right. Um, There's nothing that makes it look like he's outmatched with Zod. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't look like Zod is is better at this than him. He they're they're just punching each other like it's a video game for a while. Yeah, right. Uh, and Britton, you had mentioned like Superman looking for another option. I mean, for one, he doesn't do that. He doesn't try and take Zod into space, even though Zod takes Superman into space at one point. Yeah. Which was Zod kind of... is the one that takes him into space. <laughs> Mind blowing. Uh... <laughs> but. Everything Superman does in this movie is just total brute strength. Yeah. At no point is he ever clever. At no point does he use his principles. Does he say, like, oh, no, I'm going to find a better way because I refuse to yield. That never happens. He doesn't think. He doesn't outsmart Zod because, you know, I don't know. They're they're two, like, equally matched opponents. Maybe he could have done something with that where he he finds a way to uh, trick Zod. Um, Anything like that. Yeah, would would be nice, but everything that happens that he does, good or bad, is just a result of him punching and or pushing. Like there's no, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know why I'm supposed to care about this character. Yep. There are two uh, moments in this finale that I I enjoyed isn't the right word, but there's a part where during all of the destruction, at one point, Lawrence Fisherman goes, "All right, everybody, we're leaving." <laughs> <laughs> and he just starts, like, hurting all the people out of the it, Daily Planet. It almost feels like it's supposed to be a, a joke. Like, it's supposed to be like, right. oh, we gotta go, guys. Like, it, it sure. feels like something like that, but it's it's not edited or Look, at least at some point they decided to leave. That poor schmuck in the Wayne building at the beginning <laughs> of BVS, yeah. he's still there. Yeah. <laughs> there's, and, and there's a bit where, where uh, when he goes back to his home and it's destroyed and he finds Diane Lane. Um, she says something like, it's just stuff. It's okay. It's just stuff. And I was like, yeah, you don't need a bed or a door. It's, it's, you're fine. (laughs) And I kind of would have liked it if later in the movie, someone was like, you destroyed a lot of that city. And Clark just kind of turns around and he goes, it's just stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But it's on like national news and everyone's like cheering for him there are uh, moments I, I, though, there are moments that are kind of jokey like mm-hmm. yeah at the very end he's like about to take off and he says to lois like okay stand back yeah a little more <laughs> like that's kind of cute and there's a yeah. one that i quite like when lois is getting off the plane in antarctica and she's talking to Hilo from battlestar galactica one of sure. two battlestar galactica alumni the other one is uh G- lieutenant gata um lieutenant gata and then she uh, uh, she turns – they say, like, hey, Hank or whatever uh, Henry Cavill you – know, Superman's, like, new alias is. He grabs those bags. He goes, be careful. They're heavy. And he just kind of goes, mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just – or, like, kind of nods. Just some really minor thing in the background. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's funny. Yep. Like, yeah. that's a nice little joke, and we're back to it. I liked that. Um, yep. And then at one point, Amy Adams is <laughs> – just like, I'm a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter. And I was like, ah, backstory. <laughs> yes. It's like, like that. It's like Big Trouble in Little China. That felt like dialogue. That felt like dialogue from 1978. Oh, and it would have worked in 1978. Sure. It does not work in 2015. There's an amazing conversation in Big Trouble in Little China where Kim Cattrall and um, I want to say Cynthia Nixon are talking. and Or no, Kate Burton. And Kate Burton, he's going, and you know me, I'll do whatever it takes to get a story. <laughs> Where they're just like, which is the point of the scene, just like comically stating their personalities and wants and everything to each other. Just giving each other their sure. own backstories. And it's very funny and works in that movie. And then in this, it's like, oh, oh you're doing that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to address the, the ground zero scene. 
after Lois falls off the uh, the ship, um, and and Superman catches her, which is weird. I know this is, this is a nitpicky thing. She's falling, like as gravity would would naturally, you know, mm-hmm. you would fall. Everything else is getting pushed towards right. like this the epicenter of this thing, and she's there's a visual where Superman's looking, and she's literally the only thing that's moving the opposite way. Right. It's it's very. It weird. doesn't work on um, carbon based life forms. <laughs> cut cut back to the Kryptonians getting dragged in there because there's a shot of that. But sure. they're Kryptonium based um, life forms. Uh, fair um, enough. Fair enough. You 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 got me. Um, and then so he catches Lois because that's all he can do in this movie other than punch and, and whine. Mm-hmm. Um, he lands in the middle of all this destruction and him and Lois start making out. Meanwhile. Perry and 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 the Goon Squad or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> not uh, not female proxy for Jimmy Olsen and other guy, yeah. um, are there because they have to be characters th- with their own subplot. Um, I found all of that laughable because they're not actually characters in this movie. Why are we focusing so sure. much on them? Um, people like to make fun of the Russian family in the Joss Whedon version of Justice League. I think this is not quite as bad. It's close. <laughs> sure, um, but <laughs> there's a moment where. The girl's like, he saved us, and they're covered in soot, and everything's wrapped around <laughs> yeah. them. I'm like, how do you know that? We somehow, I made this comment to you, Alex, when we were watching. Somehow, we have, we at the end of this movie, we have arrived in a scenario in which the the members of the Daily Planet are trapped under rubble, covered in grime and soot, and cowering for their lives as death bears down upon them. And this is the first Superman movie in this. It's the first movie in the series, but it's also the first Superman movie yeah. in the series. And it's like, why? How did we it's, get? It's how did sa- we go so hard so fast? It's it's the same complaint I have with the first J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek movie. You can't start your franchise that's supposed to have like upwards of three or four movies mm-hmm. with the end of the world scenario where everything is being destroyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because oh, then, yeah. when when you have the stakes build, they don't build. It's just the same. Like I, we talked about this with the Marvel movies. Like that's why it's so effective. Iron Man one, he fights Jeff Bridges in a metal Iron Man mm-hmm. suit. Like that's, and then we slowly build. We slowly escalate. It's 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 about the threat to Earth or whatever. It's it's about a threat to another planet or you know whatever. It's only when you get to that final you know, a couple of movies that it's truly like, this is the end of everything. Yeah. Like it builds in terms of the threat. And this one's just like, Nope, we're starting off with terraforming the earth, which is what we'll do like five different times in the DCEU. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, they, I feel like a lot of TV shows do this in their pilot episode to show the network. Like we got a lot of big stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. We got a lot. Hey audience, don't you want to watch this? And it's like this massive event. And like, they're trying to throw all these twists and reveals at you. And I'm like, I don't know who these people are. Like, I don't know why any of this is important. And, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. <clears throat> Remember when we said, uh, we were complaining about how small new mutants was and <laughs> how quaint, <laughs> how quaint indeed. Um, I want to talk about the, the two comic books, Superman comic books that I think somebody working on this movie and, the fact that some of this stuff comes up in BVS as well is what makes me think it is actually Snyder. Because um, I know Snyder has read The Dark Knight Returns, even if I disagree with his interpretations of what happens in The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> um, 
I think he ha- he does read comics, and so I'm not like I'm not gonna be like, oh, he's just a fake fan who who just wants to use these like action figures or whatever. It's like, I mean, he does want to use them like action figures, but I think he does have some investment in the characters. Um, one I mentioned, I think just a second ago, is Superman Birthright, um, which is a origin story thing. I'm not a huge fan of it. It's it's got like Lex growing up in Smallville with for a little bit with Clark Kent and that raises too many questions for my brain. Um it's not it wasn't supposed to be in continuity anyway, I think, to begin with. But that's that one both has Superman kind of journeying a little bit, uh and Lois Lane like following his footsteps because she keeps finding out about like, oh here's Superman's popped up so and so and and or not Superman. Some guy with powers has popped up somewhere and like she follows the trail there and then it's like, oh, there's another incident over here. And so she's like trying to write a story on this guy who seems to have powers and is traveling the earth. And also he uh, shows up in Africa at one point. I think the show actually, or the show, the comic actually starts in Africa. Hmm. Um, And I think that aesthetic and not much else was used for the, uh, bbs intro um anyway the other thing that is much more pertinent to this that i think he has read or somebody has read is uh superman for all seasons um and this is one it's supposed to be like the first four seasons of superman being superman uh and it has like a different perspective for each chapter there's like four Hmm. extended length issues uh and I couldn't, I can't tell you off the top of my head who each one is. I think one of them is Clark Kent. One of them is Lois Lane. One of them is Lex Luthor. And maybe Lana Lang. I don't know. It's some, it's some combination there. Anyway, that has a scene uh, where a tornado is hitting Smallville. And Superman flies through this tornado and saves a guy. And he's like... Oh hey, I uh, or the guy is like, oh wow, how did you do that? Oh, I'm of course you were thrown by the tornado. You must have just happened to be able to save me. And like the guy doesn't think anything of it because oh hey, <laughs> you know <laughs> he, he there was a tornado going on. Yeah. It's not a big deal. No, no <laughs> one's like, how did that happen when there's gale force winds throwing things around? Um, and also this comic, the I think it's the big finale of this comic is a flood, uh, which should give you, uh, ring some bells of hero cake, uh, from BVS. Um, but it's a big flood that hits Smallville and Ma and Pa Kent and are trying to drive out of Smallville with their dog and they are drive to higher ground at least. And they get stuck on a bridge that collapses and Superman, uh, saves both, or it saves all three of them, basically. Like, he saves Ma Kent, and then he saves his dad, who falls in the river and almost drowns. And then he saves uh, the dog, who is, like, washed up on a little um, rock somewhere. And, like, I feel like the movie is explicitly trying not to do these very smart ideas that are in this comic book. <laughs> um, there are so many ways the tornado sequence in this film could be done. There are so many ways that you could do it in such a way that Superman is able to save his father without alerting everybody. Um, 
and instead the the option the movie goes with is uh pocket gets out of the uh car because or gets into the car to let the dog out because the dog's trapped in there and then the dog has time to run to safety quote unquote it's they're under an overpass which apparently is like totally not what you're supposed to do in a tornado um, and they should probably know that because they're in Kansas <laughs> and there are tornadoes in Kansas. Um, and also yeah. it never explains what happens to the tornado after the scene because the scene just ends with them staring at uh, Pocket getting sucked up by the tornado and then like it's still heading right towards them. Anyway, uh, Pocket's like, no, son, I know I'm right here and you're right there and you could literally still run to me, grab me and, and drag yeah. me back without showing anybody that you have powers. <laughs> but I'm going to stand right here and tell you no. And everyone else is going to be like, why is this guy holding his hand up like, in a weird way to his son and then getting sucked into a tornado calmly? Yeah. It's the most bizarre thing, and it, 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 just, it just breaks my brain. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to get from that, because like, then Superman, I guess, is just sad because he listened to his father, but also there's never a point where he decides <laughs> his father was wrong to do that. Right. He never thinks about that scene again. Like we never, we never deal with again, deal with the consequences of that scene, and yeah, <laughs> I would have loved if other post credits idea. It's just a field and can't, or no, it's it's that uh, overpass that section of highway. You're we're all just watching the movie and we're like, is anything going to happen? And then we hear. Thud, and then Kevin Costner just lands in the grass, <laughs> and then like a hat because you know they have hats in Kansas. Uh-huh. The hat just kind of floats down and like lands on his head, and he's like, "Huh, okay," and then he just like gets back up and starts like walking towards the direction of their house, and everything's fine. Guys, I got hero cake. <laughs> that's it. That's it. He, he crashes, and then a cake just lands next to him, <laughs> like on like a pillow, and then a boxed cake lands on the pillow. <laughs> and he goes, "Worth it." <laughs> Close. <laughs> well, I think th- this movie does everything wrong because. Like, not just in terms of, like, the, the sloppy storytelling or the poor editing or the overwrought fight scenes or, or just, like, the lack of characterization for Superman. It's – I could give so much of this a free pass if it wasn't taking itself so dang seriously. Right, yeah. And this is the thing that I always bring up in terms of, like, Marvel movies and why I'm not maybe as harsh on them. I know I I, I talk a big game about critiquing Marvel movies <laughs> sometimes, but I do ultimately like the vast majority of them. And – a lot of them are not meant to be super serious and, like, I can give them a lot of leeway in right. terms of, like, oh, well, that plot point's kind of sloppy. and eh, that's a little too goofy for me. Whatever. Like, it's it's achieving the goal it's setting itself for. But, you know, and th- this is kind of, like, the, the, the same critique I have for kind of the the lesser Christopher Nolan movies. All of his movies are, are very, very good. But, like, the lesser ones are, the, like, the ones where it's like, oh, that feels kind of like you did a little lazy storytelling there. Um, if you aren't taking yourself that seriously, you get a lot more leeway because that's not the focus of the movie. But in terms of like, oh, this is realistic Superman. Well, then everything needs to make sense because you're treating it like it's real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like you, you can't, you can't get away with some of the sloppy storytelling. And it does make me wonder, like, 
what is the difference between Goyer's interpretation of this material and Snyder's interpretation? Yeah. Like, I, I gotta wonder. Um, like, when Goyer was writing the script, was he envisioning something completely different? And was the scene structure even the same? Sure. Or was this just, like, what they came up with in the editing room? Because <laughs> they realized, oh, wait, this movie doesn't really have, like, a through line or a flow. Let's just sprinkle in the flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, uh, I definitely think you're right. I think that the Marvel movies, yeah. even the goofy ones, are still meant to be taken sincerely, if not seriously. Right. Um, like, Ragnarok has moments that genuinely work on an emotional level, not because it's trying to, like, rip out your heart. It's just like, no, these are... This is a real. This is a, let's have some sincerity and some earnestness, but then right. this one is just so deadly. Like, yeah, yeah, we're we're doing this. This feels like the bro Superman movie. Yeah, yeah. which is unfortunate. Um, I do uh, want to talk briefly about the church scene, just because obviously the the, <laughs> the Jesus imagery again. It's probably where it's the worst. Yeah, but also just like. He has his holographic father that he can go talk to to figure out what his options are. What? Is, why does he go talk to this random pastor? And they don't really address, like, with a flashback scene, is it someone that he knows, he grew up with? Like, what's what's the deal here? Is it someone that he can confide in? Like, it's, it's so bizarre to me. <laughs> Just which, how this, even on a scene-to-scene level, how this is constructed. Which is also a thing from Superman for all seasons where... Uh... The, I think it's Superman. It might be Birthright. It's one of those two. There's a lot of Superman origins. Um, it's one of those... That there is like a thing where it's like, oh, he's established that he's he has this relationship with this pastor that he talks to sometimes. Yeah. And like... Yeah. Again, it's it's taking imagery and then just being like, that's, that's all you need, right? Yeah. We're good? We're, we're done here? Um, how... Can, can we talk about the uh, the big fight by the uh, Sears provider of great <laughs> appliances and affordable prices? Um, it, it's the um, only thing that survives. Get, I was going to say, it, for, it first, really we, is. first we have to talk about the destroyed 7-Eleven. Sure. It would have and been, then the it would kind have, of destroyed IHOP. It would have been great if the Sears had like only taken enough damage for the A to look like an E until it was like Sears. And then <laughs> we're all like, oh. And Snyder's like, yeah. <laughs> what do you think I made him buy that? <laughs> I, I Overall, I, I product placement is so weird to me because I feel like in a movie that's actually trying – when it, it's approaching it in this way where it's trying to, you know, go for that realistic feel of like, oh, this is actually supposed to be kind of a version of, of our, our own world. that yeah. just has these alien sci-fi elements in it. I'm okay with a little bit of product placement in terms of that because it's like, oh, that's a place that I go to regularly. Yeah. That's, you know, I recognize these buildings. It's not a bunch of made-up businesses. But, like, they're all concentrated in the Smallville sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, it's all there, and, and then you get the Nikon camera. Like, that's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> I, I'm less concerned about, like, the 7-Eleven and the, uh, the IHOP, um, but the Sears, the Sears is like... Yeah. We, I think uh, big, big brawly uh, Krypton guy throws a train, and, like, we see, we see the Sears, and the train, like, crashes into the front of the Sears, so we see all the dryers and the washers and everything. Um and then there, there's at least three, maybe four, Sears, four points um, 
where there's a very clear shot of the Sears with the logo very much in frame. <laughs> like no matter what's happening below it, it's like it's taking yeah. up a large section of this this image. And I don't even know, like, that's such a weird thing to get product placement for that I almost yeah. don't know if it was supposed to be. But it's something about the uh, the color grading and, like, all of that combined just makes it seem like it's very significant and, like, placed there on purpose. Right. It's a weird thing. Also, the IHOP, um, I don't know what day this is supposed to be. Maybe it's, like, a slow day. Maybe it's, like, the middle of a Tuesday or something like that. <laughs> um, but somebody, it, maybe it's Superman gets thrown into the IHOP. Um, yeah. And he smashes through the roof, and he lands in the middle and destroys one of the tables. Um, but everyone is seated on the outside, right? <laughs> and there's just this this debris, this this like flattened pile of debris in the middle. And I'm like, was no one? Did they sit every single person on the outside? Really, no one. You're it is. Me. Well, oh yeah, never mind. Yeah, I was gonna say it's for tornado safety, but tornado safety would be inside, not by the windows. Right. Look, it's traditional dining etiquette to start on the outside when you're taking your your guests to their tables and then you work your way in. (laughs) Anyone who's worked at any sort of fast food chain would know this, Tyler. Okay. I like to imagine that Jeff Nichols was watching this movie and going, Sears, uh, blue light special. Blue light midnight special. Mean Superman. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what that movie's about. Or Brightburn. Whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I, I, I believe this is the part of the movie where Christopher Maloney is, like, fighting the Faura Ul. Yeah. And I kind of... There's this moment where he takes... He, he Like, his gun's out. He's out of weapons. And he pulls out his, like, you know, a, a field knife. This little knife. And she pulls out, like, a big, serious dagger. But I kind of liked that. Like, I thought that worked because it's this moment of, like, oh, he's he is going to go down swinging. Like, he is not going to give up whatever he has to do. And then I kind of like that he gets the um, – he defeats her later by, like, sacrificing himself, which, like, yeah. is the sort of thing that, you know, in a good movie, this would be really – it would be really moving. But instead, it's just like, oh, all right, bye, Maloney. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, also with that, they, they trade the line back and forth of a good death is his own reward. Right. Which is nice. Also, thematically, has nothing to do with this movie. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's like every single little nugget of goodness, like is is in its own little bubble. Yeah, like, it's so separated from everything else. I believe he also Superman also saves him, and then immediately, like a helicopter explodes behind him. Right. <laughs> it's like five people die. It's like oh well. Yeah. Yeah, and I, Superman I mean, does there's... also throw the big guy into a, a train station and blow up a bunch of trains. It's fine. Yep. I mean, there are a couple of like token moments where Superman will save people, or, or he'll like try and warn people to stay inside. But the 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 way the action scenes are presented, because Snyder shoots them like music videos with no actual context or story, um, like it, it's so contradictory. It's like one second he's saving a helicopter pilot, the second he's picking up the big guy and punching him into just rows and rows of trains, and they all blow up. Yeah, I'm like. People were there. Yeah. You can't tell me that nobody's not in the vicinity. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, how did we feel about the CG overall in the movie? I thought it was mostly fine. okay. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Sure. Some of it looks okay. 
Um, like the fact that Zod's suit is all CG is pretty pretty neat. Yeah. Um, a lot of it doesn't look great though. <laughs> like that that whole like it feels once again it feels like it's stretch rubber. When Superman goes to to take down not the world engine but the other one yeah. on, that's in the Indian Ocean, and there's just like this weird tentacly alien thing that shoots out of it to attack him. Um, that doesn't look great, and the scene just keeps going on forever. I'm like, I didn't come here to watch Superman fight this random and, alien machine. And again, Superman doesn't do anything smart to beat that. He just right. he's just like, I'm gonna try harder. Ooh, I'm gonna does. scream as I'm flying into this thing because I'm mad. And then, he, and then it works. He doesn't even like use his heat vision. He doesn't try that. He doesn't try. I don't know if he ever uses frost breath. Maybe he does in the next movie. Uh, no. So I guess he doesn't really have that. that but like something. Tyler, that would be too goofy. Sure. <laughs> and he does it underneath as well. It's not like he does it directly in the beam, and it's like, like that makes no sense. I guess he's trying to avoid the claw thing, but I think there's better options for whatever. The action scenes don't even work for me. Like, that, this is that type of movie where it's like, if nothing else, the action scenes should be just really, really cool. And it's like, well, they don't really work. Because yeah. I hate Superman during all of them. Yeah. I did like um, when Amy Adams is on the, the ship with holographic, her hologram, Russell Crowe, and he was like her, okay, turn right. Okay, go left. And he was just like a signpost. But I was like, That's, sure. I feel like this is kind of funny and maybe in a good like in a good way. <laughs> yeah. And where he's just like Jarvising it up. I thought that was kind of fun. And he's like, move your head to the left. And she does. And then like the woman punches right next to her. I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah. But. I did think it was a little silly how, um, you know, he's he's telling her the whole plan of how they're going to defeat Zod. And he's giving her all this information. Then she gets sent like hurtling to her death. Or seemingly to her death in, in the, the pod. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and talks to Superman. He's like, we wanted to teach you or show you what it would be like to be human first. I'm not going to tell you the plan. Oh, there's Lois down there. You better go get her. <laughs> well, It's just so silly. Well, it's like when, when uh, Zod gets his those silly little helmets when he gets his helmet off and he's like freaking out. Yeah. Superman's like, you know, I've had time to adjust to living on planet Earth. You haven't. And now I will explain how to adjust to life on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to say in terms of a positive, um, I do like that Lois discovers his identity basically first thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's an interesting twist that kind of subverts the formula without like character assassination or anything right. like that. Um, too bad they do nothing with it. Sure. Yeah. And any times they try to do a romance in this, it just falls flat. I will say, the very end, when, when he shows up at the Daily Planet, and he's, he looks like Clark, and yeah. she's like, welcome to the planet. That's, just that's about to cute. Say that. That's a I perfect ending to the movie. That. that is perfect. That's a perfect ending to a different good movie. Yep. Um, yes, because he's riding his bike to get there. They don't show like all the buildings behind him that are being <laughs> rebuilt and all the debris and everything. <laughs> That's great. why the camera's so close the whole movie. They don't want you to see any of that. That would be great if he were riding in like, these bright colors, like a full Dick Van Dyke and like, ah, <laughs> and like whistling. <laughs> but there's all this like shattering debris. 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's a great, great little bow in on a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, oh God, that, that ending is so frustrating because I, I like the everything when he's talking with his mother and then it transitions to that. But like beforehand, I'm like, the last scene or the last couple scenes. So he snaps Zod's neck, cut to crashing a drone, threatening the U.S. military and just flying away. Yeah. And then the next scene, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to be a hero now. I'm going to go, go be a, a, a journalist. And then welcome to the planet. Ah, <laughs> this, this movie, uh, speaking of someone who does like music videos and such, uh, the, the, this movie's approach to the U.S. Army is uh, eerily similar to Transformers, Michael Bay's mm. Transformers. Um, well, I, I think I, I know why. I, I, I mean, I believe I, that the, yeah. the movie actually had support from the U.S. military. Right. And they provided, like, like, things to use. Yeah, the first three Transformers movies um, are, are supported by the U.S. military, I believe. Mm. Basically before they go to China in the last one, mm-hmm. or the, in the uh, Age of Extinction. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, do we have any more positives about the movie? Or do we want to just go to grades? Maybe just grades. Okay. I'm going to go last. <laughs> do you know what you're doing, Tyler? I'm doing D-. minus. Okay. I'm not quite punching in the F, but it's walking thin ice. <laughs> Uh, I am. I'm gonna give it an F. Sure. Uh, there it just, you go. It 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 also bored me. Like that's the other thing, is that I found it boring. Um, sure. Yeah. There are there are just enough bright spots in this movie for me to like keep it. Like just sure. enough things, and I'm like, that's almost interesting. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> to kind of hang it there, but it's it's real close. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go D plus. <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, flat B. <laughs> I think it deserves a solid A minus. But all this said, loved it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. I, I, looking back on the movie, I don't think that this was unsalvageable. I think if Batman versus Superman had really actually taken the time to. Not retroactively build Superman's character in, but to just to explore the consequences of this movie in a non-superficial way. Sure, um, I think that could have done a that could have done quite a bit to help fix this. Um, but yeah, they didn't do that. They made it worse. <laughs> they made it much, much, much worse. <laughs> so tune in to Kentavision, where we'll get all the all the info we didn't have previously. <laughs> I guess it would be called just Heat Vision, isn't it? Whatever. Well, that's the Robert De Niro Al Pacino version. Never mind. Um. <laughs> Fair enough. Ugh. Recommendations? Yeah. Alex, before we started, you mentioned that you you have one. What did you got? Sure. Uh, I, I I watched The Master. Ah, uh, yes. The uh, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, Scientology, not Scientology movie. Um I liked it quite a bit. Um, I think if you like There Will Be Blood, there's a strong chance that you'll like The Master. It's kind of similar style, uh, similar kind of approach to the characters. Um, everyone's really good in it. Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Amy Adams. If you want a better Amy Adams performance <laughs> where she actually gets to do things, uh, go watch The Master. 
Um, yeah, I just find it found it really fascinating. And what I appreciate about Paul Thomas Anderson is that he explores all these interesting different occupations that yeah. you don't normally see in movies. Like you go from oil baron to uh, porn star, not necessarily a hobo, but he's he's just kind of a nomad almost. Yeah. Um, who discovers this weird cult, um, and then uh, and Phantom Thread? Mm-hmm. It's about a, a dressmaker in the fifties. Like it, it, he just like bounces around these very interesting topics, and he, I don't know, it's just very very fascinating. Um, so yeah, the master, nice, <laughs> really good, nice. Tyler, uh, I'm gonna do two <clears throat> two comic books this week. I'm gonna steal the nice. one that I was gonna use next week because I decided I have a better one for next week. Um, one is the, I don't know if it's, I think it's the first series that ever was actually called Man of Steel. Mm. Um, it may be Superman, the Man of Steel. Basically, it, John Byrne, who I mentioned earlier, wrote a origin for Superman in the 80s. Um, this is around the time of like Batman Year One. It's after Crisis on Infinite Earth, that whole thing. Um, it's a six issue series. Uh, in which he he just completely revamps or kind of aligns Superman's origin. Um, and each issue kind of jumps ahead a little bit in Superman's life. So you get that effect of like accelerating him towards becoming the, the real Superman. Um, but it's done in a way that's much more interesting and easy to read. Uh, and so like you get some of him being, or some, well, you get some of Krypton, you get some of him being very young, you get some of him playing uh, football, uh, and some fun classic moments with that. It's a really classic series. Uh, if you haven't read it and you're wondering, like, well, what what, a, what do you think a good Superman comic is if you don't d- like Man of Steel and you don't like Snyder's take? This is what I would offer. This is what I would say. This is, like, if you're trying to get into Superman, this is the best one. Um, I don't know if the specific six issues are available in anything. I have this, like, hardcover that's a little more expensive that's got some extra stuff that John Byrne wrote with Superman. Um, and I would recommend that too, but if you're just looking to be like, hey, I want to get into uh, Superman, I would say try to find it digitally somewhere, mm. just that six-issue series. Uh, usually those are like two bucks an issue, something like yeah. that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's it's about, it encapsulates everything that uh, Superman is supposed to be and is like genuinely moving at po- at points because of how like powerful it is to watch someone write the character well. Um, and yeah, it's great. Um, <clears throat> if you want a example of a Superman take that I think is good, that is not classic Superman. Uh, I'm going to recommend Mark Millar's Superman red sun. Mm. Um, it is a series about Superman landing in Soviet Russia. Um, and that sounds like a thing that could end up being very like. <laughs> this also is also from Mark Millar, especially from Mark Millar. It sounds like sounds concerning because um, Mark Millar sometimes does some very heavy-handed things, and it's there is heavy-handed stuff in this, but it's usually good fun. Um, and the angle it takes is more so that someone like that landing in Soviet Russia, uh, kind of like early Soviet Russia, so Stalin is around. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's actually before. Basically, Superman gr- comes of age during Stalin, Stalin's reign, um, and becomes like Stalin's right hand man. And the the book becomes a lot more about like what 
would happen if Superman was put in a position to gain more and more power in like mm. U.S. or U.S. global politics, and like ended up becoming like the leader of Russia and like slowly expanding their empire and and like what what would happen if that was the case? Uh, so it's not so much like there is a lot of fun silly stuff about like uh, Soviet um, like imagery and things. He's got a hammer and sickle for his logo, of course. Uh, I think. Maybe I'm making that up. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a Batman in Russia who has like the uh, Russian like pilot hat. I guess it's not <laughs> a pilot. I don't know what you call it, but it's like a, a yeah. furry hat. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> and he does some stuff with like Wonder Woman and, and things that I think is all really, a really fun, neat, different take on it. Um, I could see how somebody might read it and think that it's too over the top and, and dumb. Um, I think it's really good fun and also like pretty enlightening. It's got a, a good uh, twist ending as well, sort of, uh, or, yeah. or I don't know what a good way to explain this. I'll call it a twist ending. I think it just, it, it works really well and also still provides some insight into Superman as a character, as far as normal comic book readers would know him. Uh, so yeah, big, big recommendation. Probably my favorite Mark Millar comic um i agree with that there there's quite a few that i do not like of his but i think it's it's a pretty strong one i've been really curious yeah. to read that i'm gonna see if i can find a, I can, find you a can, copy I, I do have a copy of it so oh cool, uh, oh, cool. we'll we'll, I'll, we'll I'll, connect after the podcast and uh <laughs> i'll just throw this in here i wish that that was the movie snyder made sure. i wish mm. he just did an adaptation of rut son like yeah. i i i think that material is like right up his alley i think that's perfect and if he's just stays true to the comic book and i feel like it's got the stylistic flourishes like he doesn't yeah. need to change things like he did for watchmen like i think that's perfect for him mm. in a way that doesn't betray the character because it's a different interpretation that's actually smart mm-hmm. <laughs> um i uh on the other day watched a previous alex recommendation pieces of a woman um starring the now oscar nominated vanessa kirby and Ellen Burstyn, uh, Eliza Schlesinger, <laughs> Benny Softy <laughs> is in there. Um, and it was a – I really, really liked it. I, I liked it as a – I mostly was like, oh, I want to see Vanessa Kirby. I like her a lot, and I want to I want to see this uh, hailed performance. But I really liked it as a movie. Um, I thought it was shot super beautifully. The music is marvelous. And I think it does a really good job of like – exploring the finer details of what this woman's going through without and it gets into the legal stuff and it gets into the social stuff kind of but it's 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 a very personal story a very intimate story and not like a big i mean there's a courtroom scene but it's not like a big courtroom drama about what how how, you know the loss of a child affects america it's it's a a much more intimate uh, uh, story that I thought was told really beautifully and I, I completely agree with Alex if you can get through the first half hour you're fine and I will even say maybe it's because I went in warned but like I didn't even find the first half hour as distressing as I thought I would because it's not like explicitly graphic it's just like the content is very uh, upsetting but it's not presented right. in like a mean or like you know, gratuitous, grotesque way. Um, yeah. yeah, all the performances are super strong. Um, 
I don't. The director's name is Cornell Mundrushko. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to check out some of his other stuff because I think this was a really cool movie that uh, I am very happy that Venice Kirby got nominated. I think it would have suited in other categories as well. Like I d- don't think this is just like, well, you're watching it for the lead character. Like you're, it, the entire experience I found very uh, effective and just really well done pieces of a woman. Um, did you know what the premise was going in? Yeah. Okay, because that's I, I think that's why um, why I found the first half hour kind of shocking and effective. Oh, gotcha. I had no idea. Oh, jeez. I was like, pieces yeah. of a woman. It's <laughs> it's a it's a movie with people I know. <laughs> and I got like I got like fifteen minutes, and I was like, oh no, this isn't like a Lego thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't bright and cheerful like oh. Man of Steel at all. Man, I, uh, I yeah yeah I. I can't imagine what that would be like to just kind of dive. Oh, let's see what this is. I like Vanessa Kirby. She's looking up at something. I mean, it, it was it was kind of just like, I think I know how this is going to go. Yeah. Please don't go that way, movie. Please don't go. And then it went that way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. all right, I'm in for a ride. <laughs> also, just to reemphasize, Ellen Burstyn is super good in that <laughs> um, as uh, Kirby's mom. And Vanessa Kirby obviously yeah. is marvelous. Uh, so, yeah. Well, guys, next week. It's coming. I feel like the whole podcast has been leading up to this. I feel like we've said that a few times about... (laughs) I don't know that it's ever been more true, though. True, true. (laughs) Like, Tyler, when did we start the podcast? Wasn't it roughly, like, right after BVS? That's a good question. I think you're right. Did BVS prompt you to start this podcast? (laughs) I don't, I don't know if it, it, if it was so? the prompt, but... <laughs> it certainly didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, next week, Snyder Cut. Um, it's happening. We are doing all four hours of it for a single episode, so no telling how long it'll be. I'm sure all of us will take copious notes, or we'll just, uh, you know, whatever. It'll be fine. Wait, what? <laughs> Is the exact release date of BBS? Isn't it like, was it March something? BBS, uh, Batman vs. Superman, was released on March 25th, 2016. The first episode of this podcast was released on March 23rd, 2016. We have been building up to this, boys! Completely did not remember that. Wow. (laughs) I did not either. Won't this podcast go out on the 25th? Of March? I think you might be right. <laughs> there we go. Fascinating. Three buddies, four hours, <laughs> one podcast. <laughs> Justice will be served. Is that, is that five years? That's five That's years. Math work. Wow. I mean, how many episodes have we done? We've done over 200. Math has yeah. to. Yeah. 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 Much to think about. You can find yeah. us online. You can find those other five years worth of episodes online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Um, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all the, all the works. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're all just gearing up for it. Well, the problem is, like, 
at least at the time that we're recording, the reviews are starting to come in, and they're mostly positive. Yeah. So I don't know what to – like, it, it's – I kind of wish I hadn't looked at them the sure. same way that I, I wish I hadn't <laughs> back when we did BBS. Except you totally did because yeah. uh, I don't know if we ever told this story. We, we might have when we reviewed BBS, but I, uh, I, I had looked at the reviews and my reaction to them gave away that something was wrong to you. <laughs> and so you pressed I, me no, to get more just information. Like, I was like, okay, so it has to be one extreme. Yeah. Which is it? <laughs> Oh, boys, oh. Yep. Um, well, guys, next week we'll be there. All of us assembled. Movie buddies Might assembled. Might not be alive, but I'll be there. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, until then, stay strong, face forward, Excelsior. Uh, I've been Britain. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. And you're having a good night. Happy Snyder Cut Eve!